Hello, and welcome to Methods, an exploration in guided prayer and meditation. My name's Jory, and up to now, we've been exclusively releasing guided prayers and meditations. But we're going to start doing something a little differently by inviting guests on that may have something to say to us to inform the way we approach our practices, and by extension, how we approach life. These short segments are going to consist of a conversation followed by a separate episode with that guest leading us through their preferred method of prayer, meditation, or however they ground and center themselves. Today we talk with Jonathan Stalls. Jonathan and I met briefly at a conference in Albuquerque with Richard Rohr, Jackie Lewis, and Don Dominic Crossan. I was impressed and intrigued by his connection with walking meditation. Jonathan spent 242 days walking across the United States in 2010 and has continued to walk alongside thousands of people for thousands of miles. He's an artist, social entrepreneur, advocate for social, economic, and racial justice, LGBTQIA, creator of Intrinsic Paths, and founder of Walk to Connect. Jonathan recently finished his studies at the Living School for Action and Contemplation and has committed much of his life to inspire a connection-focused walking movement to help people deepen and heal relationship to one another, the natural world, and to themselves. Jonathan Stalls, welcome to Methods. We thank you. Thanks for the intro. Good to be here. So via your website, Intrinsic Paths, you describe it as a way of being that honors unhurried movement, contemplative practice, and bold relationship as gateways to all that lives within, wisdom in the natural world, and dignity for all of humanity. Mm. You mentioned walking invitation, engaged contemplation, pedestrian dignity, and movement building. So what, what are all those different modalities that you offer? Mm, my gosh. How much I know that's a big one. I know. <laughs> How much time do we have? How much time do we have? Um. As much as you need. <laughs> You know, I, I think more than anything, it's this, um, and, and very connected to the intention of your podcast, this, you know, the, I think the the realm of attention, the realm of, I use, use the term proximity a lot as a, um, you know, how are we, uh, how am I inserting, entering myself, my body, my thinking, my my heart into into relationship with all of creation into relationship with what is actually going on inside of me. Um, the questions, the spaces between a specific thought or an action, um, you know, just honoring dissonance, honoring the unknown, honoring spontaneity. So, so to your question, uh, walking as our most inherent, intrinsic, fundamental way of getting around as a, as an invitation to be more attentive to all of those things in the outside world, all of those things going on inside of us. You know, I'm often saying unhurried pace too, that it's inclusive to folks on a wheelchair or stroller, or, you know, that it's not, it's just, it's, it's the inherent nature of moving at an unhurried pace to pay attention Mm -hmm. and to be attentive. As far as the, the ways in which you pray or meditate or practice contemplation, would there be any, any limiting factor for those with uh, like mobility limitations? I think holding the whole invitation inside of just unhurried movement and, and leaning to, to that being outdoors, not, not dependent on it. But then, yeah, then, then as you explore your environment or as you are either connected or, or, or feeling challenged by your environment, um, kind of those, those challenges spill out and fall out um, as you, Meaning, uh, one of the themes that you noted—that's a part of my—that's um, a part of my work—is pedestrian dignity. 
Um, and that is such an intentional, you know, thinking about engaged contemplation. So when we are doing this unique work of going, going inward and, and moving that, engaging that into our relationships or into the public realm, you know, specific to walking, I like to make a very clear bridge and connection to how are we witnessing for those of us who are um, moving in the outside world? How are we a witness to what is it actually like to um, understand and connect to what pedestrians face uh, in an everyday situation, in a, in a situation getting to the store, to a bus stop if you're in the city, to just, and then thus including folks. Uh, people with a disability and navigating that on a wheelchair, navigating that on, uh, you know, in a, it, with, with a certain sight impairment, with any kind of hearing, you know, how, how is the environment of the automobile, essentially, and environments of pavement and concrete separating or connecting us, you know, like, what, and, and then how violent can that get? when you add different uh, challenges and abilities and different things that make moving in the outside world even more difficult. So, so I, I really, that thread of meditation and practice on the inside and holding that as we go into um, awareness and witnessing on the outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that connection between action and contemplation. Yes. Yes. That's supremely important. So I think uh, a lot of people, that I've spoken to view contemplatives and uh, people that practice this brand of spirituality as insular and it, it can come off sometimes as like holier than thou and very internal and separated from the outside world. And I think that's, it's, it's probably both misconception and fault on the part of uh, the people that are involved in this kind of spirituality to not um, be engaged. It's tough. Right. Tough. It's it's easier to disengage. Totally. Well, and exactly. And that's why I appreciate uh, your podcast because it goes directly into practice, into actual practices that say, okay, you know, like how are we attempting and trying different tools that widen our 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 ability to do this in all kinds of different ways. That there's not because to your point, I think so often we get get lost in the more in the thinking side of things in the in the yeah. you know and like okay so now now that i'm an engaged contemplative what does that mean what do i need to study what do i need to do what do i need to produce or what yep. do i need or or you know the opposite how do, what do i need to shut down what do i need to say no to what do i need to run from and so i think uh this holding of tension and you know i use the term floating a lot like the work to do that work on the inside and to move that into the outside, it's like, it's like a stance of floating. And, yeah. and I think walking specifically is just something that's not, you know, it, and, and, and there are so many uh, filters of everyone, everyone's unique relationship to, to walking as, you know, there's a, there, on this side of the spectrum, it's like, well, it's everyone walks, you know, you walk at the, you walk at the store, you get out of your house or your car or something, and you're walking in your neighborhood. It's so basic. Why are we even talking about it? And then on the other side of that spectrum, I would say is, is this like even visceral uh, distaste, like 
I have no choice but to be walking and it's violent. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. It's actually really stressful. I, when I think about walking, I think of trauma even. And mm -hmm. so, so to the, the, the spectrum of this unique relationship, and then you add the, a lot of us think of walking or hiking as a, as a, as a trailhead or as a park or as a, a, a treadmill. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, to actually infill um, creative invitation around something we're made to be doing that is actually literally proven study after study to help our minds and our hearts heal, to help us radically connect to our surroundings, to help us hold the complexity of people in our life if we're walking next to them. So mm -hmm. all these different elements to me that to, to what you're saying, this, this challenge of the, the contemplative being insular or this challenge of diversify or to widen our approach just as one piece of that pie, as walking as a practice or as a tool, just to widen our scope around something we're made to be doing. It's not a new thing. I don't need to download this. I don't need to go to classes on this. I don't need to study this. How can I just start with widening my relationship to how I'm made to move as a yeah. way of holding some of that tension? So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It reminds me of um, like how uh, Sharon Salzberg, a meditation teacher, I'm not sure if you're familiar with yeah. her, but she, um, she talks about how she incorporates like loving kindness meditation into her daily routine, not as like a separate thing where she goes and sits on a mat. And I mean, she does that, but um, she says when she's standing in line at the grocery store, anytime she's not specifically doing something, if she's waiting in a line, she'll practice loving kindness meditation um, to the other people in the line, to the cashier. And um, it kind of reminds me of that because no matter what your, you know, mobility uh, is, you're always going to be moving from one place to another at some point during your day. So if you can incorporate that kind of mindfulness into into your just movement pattern as it is, then that'd be a great, great way to be present just in your daily life. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And the, I love the practical nature. So with the meditation that I'm sharing with it, you know, the practical nature to me is so helpful that, and it, and it allows for this to not just be for those who have the privilege to, I want to choose to walk because I drive all the time. So I'm going to choose to walk and build this into my calendar. And I'm going to do it for all these reasons, which is all a part of this. Mm -hmm. It's also inclusive to like, okay, I have to get to the store. I have to get to work. I have to take the bus. I have no choice but to walk in the rain or at night or during a storm because I have to get to work. And if I don't get to work, then I'm not going to bring food. Like there's these real practical survival aspects. So to even get creative to invite, okay, leave 10 minutes earlier than what would be the last minute out the door to get to the bus. Right. Just 10 minutes earlier and bring an approach that cares for and nourishes the mind, cares for and nourishes the heart, um, and cares for just a little bit of time to take a deep, one deep breath under the large cottonwood that you notice every time you cross it to get to the bus stop. You know, mm -hmm. so these, these, and I think that's, that's why I like it, you know, and then think about all the benefits that kind of spill out. I'm, you know, if you don't have to go, if you don't have to get to the bus at a certain time, you've given yourself a little more time. You might be more available to have a conversation with your neighbor. You might notice how the water in the, in the water ditch is, is flooding and you can 
let somebody know or you see how beautiful it is against the sunrise or the sunset and you re you're reminded of beauty and of awe in the midst mm -hmm. of a stressful day yeah you know all these different layers of uh what we are meant to be interfacing with more often um start to show up so your takeaway i guess from uh more mobile forms of uh meditation how would you describe your takeaways from that you know i think this this it's a it's a um it's almost, it's a vibration i would say it's a it's a resonance related or tied really tightly to relationship with creation. Mm -hmm. I think what happens, the takeaway is that, you know, not only are you, are you actually processing thoughts and moving and circulating blood and doing the very physiological things your body really wants to be doing more of. So you're just more clear and open, but your relationship to the outside world, your relationship to neighbor, stranger, friend, your relationship to creatures and plants and 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 the sky and the bigness of clouds and all those things the your your relationship to those things are honored and there's a re, there's a there's a vibration that you feel and it's often mm -hmm. words can kind of limit what that vibration feels like right. you know and i think that yeah. that outcome that benefit is just it is so important in our time so important some of the the reasons that i make this podcast are because i uh, grew up in a pretty limiting kind of evangelical context where there was one form of right religion and everything else was kind of taboo. So before that, I was pretty into um, Zen Buddhism and other forms of spirituality. It kind of got beat out of me at a certain point. And so after I left the evangelical movement, I was kind of freed up to explore those things again. So I noticed with the huge uh, evangelical movement um, that kind of got brought on with the emerging church and the liturgists and so on. There's a lot of people going through the same thing right now, and they're ready kind of to throw everything out, which is fine because because I did that. I mean, I'm I'm all for postmodern philosophy, but I think a lot of people are searching for a way back in that's not toxic. So do, do you have like a faith background? Is there like a wound there that you've had to go through like a deconstruction reconstruction or? That's a beautiful question. And, and a really, a really beautiful reflection. Uh, I, yes. Uh, in, in a very unique way. Yeah. I think being LGBTQIA, um, having a partner, I married, uh, you know, I'm in a same sex partnership. I was, ma I married in September. Um, Love wins. Thank you. Love wins, y'all. <laughs> Come on. So much. There's so what I've learned. So I grew up Catholic when I was young. I then later on became pretty involved in, I would say, similar evangelical Protestant non-denominational church. I was uh, unordained, but kind of loosely, uh, loosely titled youth pastor actually in Ireland for a year and a half and did a lot of stuff with young people and and loved it, loved all of those unique experiences. Um, but when it came to really being authentic and honest, not only just with my sexual orientation, but just being a sensitive person, being a justice person, being a human dignity person, being an artist, being someone that just inside felt like I really was falling nonstop into all the spaces between these lines that have been drawn. Like I just felt mm -hmm. like I was falling all the time. And I'm just doing everything I can 
to kind of cling to these terms or things so that people can understand me and see me. And, and, and it just, it's at, at a certain point, it just, it slammed my authenticity. Just, it just slammed into a wall mm-hmm. and I had choices to make. I, um, I actually was, I was uh, really depressed. I had a really, I had a really dark, dark season um, for three to six months. Um, this was in 2006 and Woo, I crawled out of that. I crawled out of it, but it was hard. It was the bottom, scraping the bottom. And so crawling out of that dark season, um, it was clear to me that uh, that, that, that I, I, I craved uh, this I craved this education, but not from the head in, not from an academic sense. I craved a vibrational education. I craved an experiential education. That term mm-hmm. rite of passage was shaking me on the inside. And so that's when I left in 2010, as you named earlier, when I did my walk across the US where it was like, okay, I'm going to walk myself into freedom, into Mm -hmm. authenticity, into honesty, into this unique integrated being that is me, this sensitive artist, passionate, loud, scruffy, weird, like whatever it is, I'm just gonna walk, literally, I don't know how I'm gonna get there. I don't know how I'm going to get to love, love who I am in all those places. I don't know how I'm going to, but I at least can trust a little bit more walking myself into this versus studying myself into it. And mm-hmm. I, uh, so I did, I just walked, I left the, I left the Atlantic ocean, walked for eight and a half months. And that was exactly what my, um, what my body needed, what my soul and spirit needed. I, I landed in that beach. I mean, by the time I was at the high desert of Nevada, walking in the middle of these incredible landscapes, wild horses, blue sage, nobody around, pitching my tent anywhere I wanted to on public land and just watching that sun, uh, everything in me was just in radiant self-acceptance, radiant God's spirit divine relationship everything was connecting everything was 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 healthy and 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 mirroring itself and all these different things um you know a lot of teachers talk about like the more you're that you can see the divine in 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 the plant in the leaf in the dirt in the critter in the in the other being regardless of who they are how they identify you see i see what is divine in you because i've learned to see what is divine in me and yeah. this 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 it was activating. It was real. It was tangible. I was eating the bread of it for 242 days. And so that's amazing. So after that walk, any real category of religion or faith, uh, there's a level of respect and, 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 and just honoring the unique journey of other. Um, so I've gotten to this really interesting and imperfect, oh my God, endlessly imperfect uh, <laughs> approach to just the mystery of, of, of that unique journey for each person. Um, and, and, and for me, this holy, beautiful acceptance of the spaces between that there's a certainty, almost even, like radical certainty around uncertainty and, mm-hmm. and that uh, God has become more visible, tangible, beautiful, um, and integrated for me. Um, and far beyond a religion or a tradition, but, but very yeah. sacred and connected. So it is a, so the, the theme of mysticism, uh, the theme of that, at least that invitation is very, is very uh, palpable for me. 
Yeah. Okay. There's a lot in there. I <laughs> there's a lot. Tag a couple things. Um, <laughs> so yeah. when you were talking about your, your history and how it kind of was similar with my history and how uh, you needed to get out of your head mm-hmm. and into your, your body, which is why you, why you walked. Yeah. I think that that connects a lot with a lot of other people out there that mm-hmm. feel that they have to learn theology to be correct or mm-hmm. to learn um, philosophy, to know how to think about the theology and so on and so forth. And I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of that, but I also love it. Totally. But I do think that, again, the reason why I, I started this podcast was because I think people want an embodied spirituality because that, that inner knowing is almost, uh, the mystics call it gnosis, this intimate I thou knowing mm. that goes beyond the head. Mm. And I think the, the language is confusing sometimes because people feel like there's something that you have to grasp. And I think it's, at least for me, it's really the opposite. It's mm. where um, instead of your gaining head knowledge, you're almost, when you, when you get a gnosis of the heart, it's almost like a releasing and yes. like a resting. Yes. So, so what is, what is embodiment to you? And do you think that people are desiring a more embodied spirituality today? Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, like, like what, like craving desert, like water in the desert, brother. I, 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 I think the embodied pilgrim, the embodied uh, seeker, the embodied wayfarer, the embodied, uh, gosh, just moving from place to place. And it doesn't have to be in the context of walking necessarily, obviously. It's just this, it is a, it is a body-based knowing. It is a groundedness. And I think especially uh, linking, um, I would say, mostly uh, quite Caucasian European into Western culture as a major target of, and I don't even want to say target, but I just, I want to say like not having strong roots, not having ancestral vibration already in traditions being passed along in practices and rituals. So I think that's why I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely, I'm very passionate about racial, um, economic, uh, class justice in a, in a, in a, in a floating contemplative way, because I think there is like, it's like, okay, Okay, it felt, and I and I don't. I, I it's like fellow white European brothers and sisters and everything between. We got to get the. We have to get our bodies vibrating and and listening at the at the at the at the experiential level before we think we can even begin to start entering what we think or what we uh, what, what, like our, our our mind and our controlling of systems and our all these different things within capitalism and within within land and private, you know, all these things that are so complex. It's like this, this relationship to power and lack of roots is a really interesting space. And I think so to your question, and I think, I think there are a lot of people uh, with different backgrounds native indigenous Spanish inside of certain Spanish land grants in this, in this country, I think Pueblos, I think uh, people of unique, Brown and black descent have loud vibration and an embodied reality that are um, that are just. I think how we learn and turn tune, and I say we being a more white European, how we mm-hmm. tune in to that as a as one of many ways of learning and letting go, as you say, and releasing 
power and control and releasing a need to be uh, a dominant colonial people that I think yeah. that is the, that. So I, I think to your question, there's just so much. And I, that's why I really, I, I appreciate the contemplative approach to that where it's not just pointing of fingers and bad, bad, bad and dagger, 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 but it's this like breathing in and breathing out. Like I understand this experience or this conflict or this tension because I have broken bread with a uh, fellow sister, brother, transgender, non-binary um, because we've walked and we've broken bread together. Now I am, now I'm, I'm understanding an issue or a challenge or a, a real, real hard reality because I've broken bread with you. It's that, yeah. and I love Father Richard's words around go into relationship with what you desire to know. And I think that, that, like in the beginning was relationship. It's like that, not control, not, uh, not just memorizing terms, um, not, uh, you know, just, I think this, I think there's, so I think at the vibrational experiential level, there is absolutely a, a, uh, a field uh, for so many people to start moving into and drawing knowledge. I, I, I explain it as this grassroots knowledge. It's from the bottom up. It's a knowledge that's coming out from the soil and from the experience. It's like the water, water, rushing water, constantly trickling downward into where the people are, into the experiences of others. And the knowledge that we that we nourish ourselves with because we're pay, yeah. paying attention and giving ourselves to it. So anyway, I could go on and on on that. <laughs> no, it's great. So real quick, yes, um, yes. You you keep mentioning um, vibration and uh, yeah. vibrationality, and yeah. I, I know what you mean, but mm -hmm. I think a lot of our listeners wouldn't. So can you, <laughs> or or they might be a little you know turned off. Oh, that sure. sounds woo. So totally. so so what do you mean by that? Thank you for. Um, I can get lost in those words. Um, yeah, you know, I think there's. Uh, it, for any of y'all Enneagram folks out there, I'm a nine beyond nine, so I'm a little intense <laughs> around all that. I'm the master of suppression, so I've got a lot of vibration going on, so have peace and grace on that. But the, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, the, it's the sense of, um, I use the term resonance a lot, but I think, it's, I think it could be as simple as if you take time to lay down under a tree, in the afternoon or especially around sunset as the sun's going down when you're in a place where awe just takes over when you're just in awe at the way the tree makes its way and around the sky as the sun and the color and it's just so overwhelming or or a loved one and you're just looking at this person and you're there's this sense of awe and wonder and like even excitement or a rush or maybe you're sitting next to a rushing creek or a stream and the sound of that water is doing something in you um, or maybe you're witnessing an injustice. You're witnessing something that you're actually witnessing where a friend of yours is being called something that is just so inappropriate or so outside of, you know, what you're used to. And then, so, okay. So you might have a thought, but almost if you're, if you're, if you're aware enough, if you're leaning into awareness it's coming in you it's coming from your 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 gut your stomach your body there's something that's either telling you to pay more attention or or guiding you to just be 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 attentive to what's happening whether that's drawing wisdom 
and just kind of giving yourself to awe or telling you to pay attention that is saying, there's something about this that is actually threatening creation. That's threatening the, 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 the life of, of something that is mirroring back to you as a, as a friend or as someone you've learned to grow and love or as someone you've laughed with and cried with or as someone you've helped raise their children or whatever it is. There's some, you know, so I think the vibration I speak of is, is, is connected a lot to the term intuition um, mm -hmm. or the term I, I like to use resonance. Um, so there's, and, and, and I would even say music, right, is another, anytime you're just lo losing yourself in a beautiful song or a beautiful, like someone's vocal ability or, or the sound of a, of a wooden flute or, or, or any kind of dancing movement inside of music, there's a, there's a level of connection that can't just be explained with words. Yeah. I think that's how I would at least attempt to put some shape around it. it. It reminds me of the way you keep talking about the vibration and, and connecting with other people. It reminds me of the command to, to love others, not because it's a nice thing to do, but to love others as ourselves. And so a thread that I'm picking up on with what you're saying is radical connection with yeah. the, the physical world, with other people. Mm. So like the question of, of who is my neighbor, I think is everything. Yeah. And so getting into your body, it sounds like helps you to connect with yourself primarily, but then also to uh, realize that there's no separation between you or what you think of as you and the person next to you or the tree in your yard. Mm. Living like that and living into that is a way to bring the qualities of the spirit and bring those into your life and to live in a way of what I would call repentance or, or metanoia or going beyond the mind. I don't want to get too into the weeds, but how do you view the distinction between traditional prayer meditation and a movement-centered one? Is there any difference of effect or is it just, just difference of practice that gets you to the same place? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's so much. Well, and I think just as a preface, I think there's just so much in between all that, like, right, the one's unique experience in prayer and thinking about, well, what's actually happening physiologically when we pray? Or what environment are we allowing ourselves to be in when we pray? Pray as in like, it, you know, there's something reverent, there's something humble, there's something maybe with lower light, there's a closing of the eyes, there's a tension, there's this stopping of racing mind or reacting or running. So I feel like the general, uh, in, uh, the general um, kind of intention to be attentive is so, is so rich. How much time is spent inside of automobiles moving at unnatural speeds? How much time is spent, you know, kind of in this indoor how much time is spent seated behind screens? <laughs> you know, like I think, I think the like we are now, like we are now. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I think I think the whether or not movement is, I, I would never say it's oh that's the best, it's the best, it's better. But when I think about a, a an aspect of meditative awareness, connection, and practice the need for us to be in more movement and not just movement. And I, and I would, because some people I think find a lot of 
which there's benefit to doing this also on treadmills and things like that. But I think the actual environmental, to me, you ha you are inviting all these other players, if you will, to be participants in your practice. Meaning if I'm walking and in a practice and I'm moving into a prayer-like form or a meditative form, and I'm under our big ceiling, our big old sky, then, then, then there is a more naturally occurring capacity to be more open. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm walking with trees and breathing fresher oxygen, and, and then there is more capacity to be uh, encouraged by, by life itself. Then if I'm passing people or interacting or if I take if I happen to kneel and touch the soil or be in any way connected to what I run up to or walk up to, uh, then the spontaneous reminds me of any number of things that I think can be motivating, grounding, calming, healing, clarifying uh, when in a place of med like an intentional place of meditation while moving. There's also something I think about moving, like actually moving forward. I mean, I'm all about if people feel like they want to do some back shuffling, but like, I think the, the natural movement forward of walking or going by wheelchair, like you're, you're, you're physio physiologically embodying movement forward. That's what you're doing as your body. Mm -hmm. So if you pan up with all the, our fancy little, you know, what are those called? Why am I the little cameras that watch people? Uh, the what am I? You know the GoPros. Uh, yeah, GoPros or things that what are the the, the planes that follow the folly. But if you if you visualize people walking, um, you know there's something to to actually float outside and see yourself walking is a really beautiful image. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know rather because we you know we're so inside of our bodies that it's hard to see. Well, what does it actually look like? So I think about the blessing and the meditative space that you occupy for someone who's witnessing you walking, right? There's that aspect to it, that the witness of moving through space and time in an, mm -hmm. in an unhurried way. Um, so I just, I think the benefits of, I think the uniqueness of, of movement. Um, the other thing I find, I'll add this last little note to it, uh, is the humility of, of it, the humility of literally if you think about walking as just this simple function we're falling every time our body is a bag of skin and organs and it's falling because of gravity and our feet keep us from just literally falling onto the ground so there's there's just so much like fragility and humility that can show up with walking if a storm blows in if any kind of, if something enters a sp our space that we're unaware of or unsure of, or, or we don't really, then there, our humility as beings starts to take shape. And I think that is a, it's a, it's an extremely important uh, contribution to how we uh, navigate social, political, religious spaces in our time. And so when we can, when so many people can keep themselves from natural humility unfolding um, inside of, again, I always go to these things, walls, automobiles, screens, where we can control temperatures and we can kind of close the door and lock it, or we can turn the screen on and off. And we've all these controls, quote unquote, thinking that we're indestructible, essentially, mm -hmm. or, or, or masters of our journey in that sense. Well, 
when you're out when you're out by foot and you're just kind of fumbling around and you trip on a sidewalk and land hard on your face it's pretty or when i mean all the time i'm six four i'm always like sometimes walking while on my phone and i'm texting and then all of a sudden a branch will just nail me in the eye and i'm sent like five feet back hands up <laughs> hair everywhere like mortified if anybody saw that this branch just literally took me out and thank god for things like that uh because it's just i think we're in constant uh i, I think there's just a constant need for us to be brought to our knees in that kind of way so yeah our daily humiliation yes yeah so so briefly um What's the practice you're going to lead us through today? So, yeah, so the 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 invitation, I, and I wanted to keep it fairly simple, just so it f- could be as accessible as possible. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that I'm always, in, you know, I, I get dubbed the walking guy all the time, or like the hiking guy, or like, where should I go hike or walk? And, and have you done the Camino de Santiago? For those of you who don't know, it's a 500 mile walking path in Spain and it's pretty popular in a lot of circles. Or have you done long distance? Tra- I'm always not intentionally trying to throw people off, but intentionally trying to throw, <laughs> like it's a little bit of both. And I just, I'm like, no, actually like I, what I would encourage or inspire is right outside your front door, right where you are. And just, and, and, and 20 minutes. 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And if you have a free weekend, take three days and go three days in one direction right from your front door. Mm-hmm. And then I get that that frozen look of like, oh, well, that's scary. Or that doesn't make any sense. Or why would I do that? Or all the commercial roads that I'll walk on. Or that's not pretty. Or that's not contemplative. Or that's not the trail that I would imagine. That doesn't have a lake in it. You know, like all those defaults of where we're comfortable. So I love that dissonance of mm-hmm. right outside your front door, holy proximity, sacred, beloved community, r- buzzing right outside where I live or where I work or where I play. That it's just this. So, so the practice to me could be um, you have an extra 30 minutes and you just want to just try this on. And I, and I, and it just guide, it guides you, um, it guides you to, it guides you to move in that way, um, in a way that's attentive, that's patient. Um, but also that is, okay. it's a practice that makes to the best that we can it okay to have chaos and noise and unexpected things all around you. Um, so it could be sidewalks, broken sidewalks, roads, it could be parks. It could be, you might be in the mountains and it might be quiet and peaceful. It's anything. It's not limited to one or the other, but it's a, it's a, it's a permission to integrate this kind of invitation right where you are, as you are. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously encouraging folks to do it for a couple hours, do it with a loved one, do it with someone who you might even be in conflict with as a way of healing and holding the tension in a creative and unique way. So lots of branches and offshoots that can come out of just this, uh, the invitation that I've outlined. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, we're coming to the end of our time. So where can people keep up with you and follow your work? Yeah, sweet. Um, gosh. So, you know, I would say the best, you know, intrinsicpaths.com is the, uh, you know, I, that's just, it's the main website that I use just to kind of point people in different things. Um, 
if if this kind of invitation is really speaking to you as a excuse me as a personal um, as a personal practice as a communal practice as a family practice I think considering I, ha I use Patreon as a way of inviting people to come up to just join a little deeper to be a little closer to the creative process and I just get really creative using Patreon it's a way to support artists and people who you know are on the fringes creating in this kind of way I'm a unique artist in that it's it's cultural it's it's walking invitation it's engaged contemplation and there's just a lot of questions around all that so it's not a very clear path but it is it is a beautiful path um and so the website patreon or just anything on social media intrinsic paths would be great so that would be an, an amazing way to connect yeah awesome well jonathan thank you so much for coming on i love this conversation I hope everyone listening did as well, and uh, listeners tune in to the next episode to hear the guided meditation by Jonathan Stalls. Wonderful. Thank you, sir.